0: Welcome to No Cartridge Audio. My name's Trevor Strunk. Uh, we're happy today to have uh, Chris Person on the podcast. Uh, Chris, uh, is your your Twitter is just at Chris Person, right? No, it's actually at Papa Pichu. It's a, oh, very, Papa Pichu, it's right. a
1: very stupid reference that, um, I don't know, I, there, I have a love of uh, holding on to a name you've had, held on to forever. I hear you. Because it's just there like, oh yeah, you know, the more prestige you get, the funnier it becomes. Right, but It's exactly. a Curse of Monkey Island reference.
0: What is it? It's a Curse of Monkey Israel. Oh, I- Monkey Island Curse of Monkey Island or yeah. Okay. Cool. um, it's been ages since I played Curse of Monkey Island. It's the best one. Oh, it's a good one. <laughs> I, I yeah, those Lucas Arts games are a blast. I um I had a bunch of them on my computer a while back on the on the old uh, scum system. Yeah, Scum VM. Um, yeah, exactly. which is a brilliant system. They
1: like because the they they planned basically for all the assets to be used, no matter what the system was. It made it easy to make it for I remember, like, you could play it on PSP and like 3DS for a while, you know.
0: Yeah, I never took it to that level because I, I never really experimented with that that much. Back in that, back when I was doing that, yeah. it was just a laptop, and I wasn't super creative. But the, uh, yeah, I remember reading that you could like port it to other things. It, it really is kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, but no, I always had a blast with them. It would just always seemed like there were too many of them to play, which yeah. I guess is probably true.
1: <laughs> yeah, like you don't need to play Zach McCracken,
0: I think. Yeah, although you find your Zach McCracken uh, Loyalists online. I mean, oh, every... It's I, fun. It's just you don't, like, need to
1: find... like You don't have to go down and track down, like, the FM Towns version. The best... <laughs> the one that came out only in Japan, and then, like... Sure. It, yeah. You know, it's for, you know, crazy people.
0: I feel like, though, they're, like... And actually, this will lead us right into discussing length, I think. I think because they're such, like... So, the LucasArts games, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, game length today. Yeah. In, in short, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the LucasArts games, like those old LucasArts adventure games, are kind of perfect in their length. Like they just, um, they exist in this way that's like a, um, it's long enough that it's difficult and like fulfilling. And there's so much in there, but it's probably about like, I don't know, just as a a guess, I'm not looking it up, maybe like 17 hours or something like that.
1: It Um, it depends on how you, I I think that's actually a a kind of complicated issue because like... hmm. LucasArts games were intrinsically difficult to beat um, because you yeah. you and there was the element of the everlasting gobstopper of video games where you had the one game that you just kind of held on to for ages and ages and ages and ages. Okay. Yeah. And uh, with LucasArts games, there was always that one puzzle that would just like stymie you, and you'd either cave and call one eight hundred Star Wars or <laughs> uh, or look it up online if you were lucky enough, or ask a friend. But, like, um, yeah, when you when you knew how to beat them, I think, like, like full throttle is, like, five hours long tops. Oh, wow. Yeah, like seven maybe. Um, Grim Fandango is a longer one. I think that's, like, more along the 20-hour one, but mm-hmm. not if you're really speeding through it.
0: Um, yeah, it depends on what you're doing with them. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's uh, interesting in a couple of ways. The one is that, you know, guessing 17 hours is both too long and too short. Um, I guess that's both of the ways it's interesting in that, like... You know, full throttle. I would assume was that, but yeah. when you take out all of the backtracking, all of the inventory management, um, for people who haven't played the Lucas adventure games, a lot of it is talking to the same people again and again, trying different um, organizations of items you happen to find in the in the world. Yeah, um, just making sure you haven't missed clicking on something. The old man um, Murray
1: uh, argument w- about what adventure games were, where they were not—you weren't trying to figure out a puzzle. You were instead like LARPing a. FBI investigator trying to like (laughs) figure out what the game designer wanted because it was always very arbitrary and
0: you know like yeah yeah no you're right I mean and and like the the benefit of those old LucasArts games is that they they had the graphical interface to make it fun like there's there's something there's something really hard about and maybe maybe it's just me but there's something hard to me about going back to something like Zork or even something like the old Sierra games because there's, like, the the difficulty of translation between myself and the developer just seems so much more heightened. Yeah. Um, I I personally
1: the, was never, uh, well, I don't know, King's Quest 4, I think? I don't know. The one that okay. the one that had, like, the flute thing where you were in the garden and, like, that was the first really good King's Quest game that was, like... I think like, that's King's Quest 4, yeah. I think it was 4. Was it Ayer Today? Gone Tomorrow? I forget. That was the first one where I was, like, oh, okay, I can kind of see, like, this being approachable and... Yeah, you know, like they were they were dense experiences, I think, is is the main point. It's not about like the actual length about it, because that's a whole other adventure game conversation. But like Smart. every yeah. part of those experiences, despite, you know, you needing to like maybe walk away and scream at a tree for five minutes and then come back and be like, Okay, what do I do <laughs> with this? Like every part of it was, was considered. And I think that's the thing I, I took away from it, was there was no there wasn't there wasn't a lot of bloat. And my main problem with length isn't just
0: length; it's it's bloat. Mm. Um, I like the idea of uh, just quick. I like the idea of density. I think that's a really smart way of thinking about it, especially in so far as like a game like, like going back to the length, like a game like Full Throttle yeah. or a game like um, uh, a game like Monkey Island. Can you can finish it in five to six hours? But in fact, like the experience of finishing it even if you happen to finish it quickly even if you know you've become such an old hat old hand at uh, adventure games that you kind of speed through it the adventure always feels more than that it's not um reducible to the amount of hours you put into it
1: yeah and um. i think so to to the reason i brought wanted to talk about length this um mm-hmm. this is because i've of my consumption recently so i've i've i just beat persona 5 and okay. that is a 95 or in my case 105 because i probably left it on for five hours here and there game. And I like those games, technically. But right before playing that, I had played Nier Automata. And if you want to talk about density versus brevity, Nier is really, really good at being a dense experience. Because there's no part of Nier, if I think of any part of Nier, there's no part where I'm like, oh yeah, they could have, I didn't need that part. You know what I mean? There's no part where I'm like, you could have cut this or or here. There's no part I forgot about it because every part of it is very dense. Um, Undertale's like that too. Like Undertale is...
0: Undertale's definitely like that. Yeah, Nier
1: Automata Automata and Undertale, I think probably because Undertale, I guess I didn't play the original uh, Nier, but I'm guessing they they really took a lot from that. Mm -hmm. Um, They're both games that... I, I could be wrong with that, but they're both games that like, you're always engaged with, like, even the busy quests in Nier Automata are. That's what I was gonna say. Interesting, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. You'll be like, oh, okay. Here's a dumb fetch quest. You oh. do the dumb fetch quest, and then it's like something incredibly tragic happens. Mm-hmm. And at no point are you like, man, I, I'm sad I didn't I didn't do that. Fr- uh. At no point are you sad like, I, I did that. Fetch yeah, quest. you're not. Yeah. You're never sad that you did the fetch quest because you ha- got something really screwed up. Like the in Nier Automata, the first fish quest they give you is the guy who, like, needs. Um, he needs you to get like three widgets or whatever and you do the dumb yeah. quest and then he's like I know exactly what you mean yeah, yeah and then he's like oh um, well I can't replace my arm because it's the last or my leg because it's the last part of me that it was original and I don't want to replace it and who am I if I don't have that and that is you know straight from the get go that's like a, a ship of theseus
0: problem yeah. in the middle of your just the establishing quest in that it's, it's a fascinating game in some ways because I, I I talked about it ages ago I need to finish it it's um, so good I know it gets keep, progressively I, I, better. It gets better and better, and I will we'll come back. What people keep that. saying it's it's just I I'm realizing now that I'm doing this more and more, and actually like um uh you know talking about so many games with people, I'm realizing the problem that you guys uh in uh so Chris, if you don't know you, you do know uh writes for Kotaku, and I know that now the sort of like issue that you uh you guys have in the games media of, and I'm assuming you have this of like. There being not enough hours in the day to play all the good games and talk about all the good right. games, yeah. Um, and and so Nier's been my one that I will definitely get back to. I'm not going to lose it. Um, but what I love about that game and what really caught me at the first place with it is that the um, the fetch quests aren't so much about what normal fetch quests are about in games. And you you've touched on it a little bit, but like it's also not about necessarily. You get experience and money and all that stuff, but. It's like actually just about story building every yeah. time. Like if, if you're leveling up, you're leveling up your understanding of the actual world that you're existing in, which is just so brilliant. And something that no one that I'd seen actually outside of Undertale really did before that. Right. It's it's it's
1: um, it's fiber instead of empty mm-hmm. calories. Um, that's yeah, I, that's a good thing. And, um, and just to contrast this with Persona, like here's the thing. Yeah. I love Persona 5. Uh, I like what Persona 5 is trying to do. Um, I'm not going to get into the narrative of the game, no need. It's except okay. to say that I feel like the entire last act—you you could have lost the entire last dungeon and last act in that game—and it would have been fine. And you could have wow. w- w- was like summed it up in a different way. And just like big parts of like how the game is stretching itself out to do like a simulation that a lot of people like. I like parts of it, but after a while, like. Um, I think one of my friends, um, Fujoshi Island on Twitter, was like, you know, in the beginning, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, you know, figure out what their weaknesses are and, like, try to do that. And near the end, you're like, I'm just looking this shit up on GameFAQs because I'm tired. <laughs> and I played um, Shimagami Tensei Nocturne ages and ages ago, and that's the reason, and, you know, Persona 3 as well. And I went into this game, and I'm like, I'm going to use a guide from the get-go because I do not have time to play this game twice. I don't yeah. have time to do New Game Plus. And that's also because I'm, you know older now i'm not in college and you know you have time to kill when you're in college but when you have to cover every game you really yep. gotta just you know do the wrap it up symbol you know the wrap it up sign from chappelle
0: <laughs> yeah no actually and I'm, I'm just after uh i think probably the next episode that's going to come out after yours is on uh prey yeah and I really like Prey. I, I think it's a great game. I, I, I find it more and more compelling as I get deeper into it, which is a, a nice experience. Um, I don't think it's necessarily too bloaty. Mm-hmm. I think there are parts they could, they could cut out for sure. There are certain things where it's just like, oh, here's a reason for you to run across the station again. Yeah. Um, but no more so than many AAA titles, although maybe we can get into why that's become so prominent. Um, but one of the things that I found myself kind of like, horn on is there are so many side quests in that game that are really interesting and tell you more about the people on the station etc cetera, etc cetera. um and then there's the main quest and i'm thinking to myself i really should finish the main quest so i can write about this game and in the back of my mind i'm like well the side quest is sort of like the main quest you understand how these things work yeah. and it's just like it's impossible to balance it yeah. you're actually not thinking about it as pure leisure
1: And, uh, yeah, no, that's a huge problem that people have to go into. A lot of people will, I think, get saves earlier on. But it also, Mm. like, it it begs the question, like, um, I don't know. I I think it's an attitude thing. Like, I think there's an attitude and a convention thing because, like, there are these conventions of, like, okay, if you really want to make a big, sprawling RPG, you need to have, like, a million... You know, tiny little quests. And then I think MMOs kind of made those quests vaguer and more bloated because you needed mm-hmm. to just have the experience of mechanically grinding instead of just making the game shorter and making the grinding experience, like balancing it for that. Um, you know, Final Fantasy 15 or. Uh, yeah, 15. Sorry, got the numbers wrong in my head for a second. <laughs> Final Fantasy 15 has this problem as well. Like, it's. Well, it's also just a lopsided weird game that, like, just mm-hmm. collapses near the end, and I really, really am angry at it. I'm angry I had finish it because the beginning was so solid, but, like, yeah, getting that pacing, just, like, make a 25-hour game. That's what Nier is. It's 25 hours, Yep. 30 if you're really doing it, and, like, make sure that you labor every moment over every tiny one of these things because I just, I don't care if if I don't care then I'm not engaged like even Witcher like Witcher is Witcher 3 most of the quests are interesting you know like most of the quests are kind of interesting there's a couple of bullshit quests here and there because it's a big traditional RPG but at least they kind of like realize oh we're making a detective story and these should be little like little tiny detective stories within there
0: Mm mm-hmm
1: and, but, yeah, like fallout four, fallout four, boring as hell, like so many boring <laughs> goddamn quests, especially compared to New Vegas. like New Vegas is so good, even though there are bullshit quests in there, too,
0: yeah, i wonder I wonder why that is. like it, it seems that it's not just even RPGs anymore because this was always a problem with RPGs. Yeah. I can remember back, well, Baldur's I guess Gate. not always, but like at least a problem post Final Fantasy six VI or seven, I would say, yeah, where like because Final Fantasy Six blew the doors off of what kind of the length of a game should be Uh, Chrono Trigger a little bit too and then Final Fantasy 7 blew the doors off again and then it felt like every single big release mostly every single square release uh, was one-upping it yeah Um,
1: but it was it was an American gaming problem too it wasn't just Final Fantasy and I think that mm -hmm. was the difference I always saw between like something like you know like Baldur's Gate and Planescape Torment like Planescape Torment like every quest is kind of interesting you know what I mean or maybe most of them are I haven't played no I mean
0: i yeah, I actually I'm actually revisiting that now and it's uh it holds up. Like the it, it's again, it's a little like Nier in that way. It's obviously coming at it from two totally different schools. Um, you know, Planescape's much more like reading a novel than than say Nier is. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, every single thing, like each person you talk to you might have some sort of actually deep uh thing to say. And it's it's less because like each piece is lovingly crafted, um, in the in a sort of like sense of uh I don't know, minimalism yeah. and more that these guys just wrote a ton of really good prose. I think also bo- in both cases, you
1: have this deeply angsty existential world and not in like the twisted Joker way, but in the like <laughs> deeply like what the fuck is life? You know, what yeah. is identity? Like in Planescape Torment, I remember I could be misremembering this because it's been ages, but like there was a thing where if you just kept saying people asked what, you what your name was and you're the nameless one. And if you keep saying one name, eventually that person is willed into existence so, oh, like, if, yeah, if you, that's right. If you just like keep saying like, oh, I'm Craig, eventually a character named <laughs> Craig shows up or something like that. And, you know, he's like, hey, I'm Craig. You I exist because of, you know, intentionality <laughs> or or whatever. And like uh, in the case of uh, Near, like it's all about, you know, what is humanity? What is identity? Does it matter? What is the point of living? You know, if your mm-hmm. entire universe hinges upon an existential question. It makes it really 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 easy or at least way easier to kind of extrapolate off of that. And I think Undertale does that really well. Yeah. But like something like actually even New Vegas because it's like, you know, you live in a goddamn weird you live in Las Vegas and it's crappy and weird and everyone wants to pull one over on you. You mm-hmm. know, and that's also why I don't know, I feel like so many of the even the even the bad fallout games, the DLCs are so much better because you'll play They're more focused. Well, they have a point. Yeah, there's, right. You know, that's the that's the key to a good D&D campaign is that there's always, like, a theme or a motif. And, you know, it's an extension of that. You know, you can do the sort of, like, oh, there's a wizard over there and he's... he's The wizard's got, he's got a gem and... <laughs> you can do that crap if you want all the live long day. But if you have, like, a moral choice or a, a setting that is, is, is... Gives you something to bounce all these characters off of, you just set these characters into, into motion and they... They really end up living.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting thinking about. So, I I, I like that you brought up Baldur's Gate, uh, especially in comparison to the the JRPG bloat, because the JRPG bloat just that's that that ends up being a focus for me just based on what I was playing when I was fifteen or whatever, right? Because um, I didn't really have a PC, so I was a console gamer and far more on uh, you know the JRPGs ended up there. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's interesting in both cases. Like, you think about some of the the big um, American RPGs that people play. Like, you can even think about it with Fallout, right? Where it's, like, there's a... Or Fallout 4. There's, like, a, a general quest, a general sort of seeking that happens in all of the Fallout games. You have the dog. You yeah. have sort of, like, a, an overarching mission to find someone. Um, that That's, like... It's existential, but it's it's not focused. And if you think about, like, Final Fantasy games they do or like later Final Fantasy games I'm thinking of Final Fantasy 12 yeah. here um they do a lot to focus in on like it, one particular like overarching political narrative that ends up never making sense no it's always it's always nonsense and it's always yeah and actually, it's not allegorical mm, it's not interesting 12 kind of
1: yeah it's 12, the closest 12, 12 is the closest or they, I always say this like yeah, people mechanically hate 12 because... And it I didn't bug me
0: as much when I played it. Oh, I love 12. I, 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 it. I played like 120 hours into that game. Yeah.
1: Well, I love it because I, I'd also been playing a lot of um, 11 at the time, mm. which I guess okay. is, which is really a masochistic game. Like, if you don't like 12, <laughs> don't play 11. I guess you can't. I don't know if it's still online. Um, but um, but no, um, 12 is the one I like to say treated you like an adult. Yeah. Like a real grown-ass adult. Like the other ones... All of those Final Fantasy games have, uh, like, a like a fucking weird David Lynch, Lynch twist, like, 60 hours into it, and it never <laughs> makes any goddamn sense, and it always no. sucks. It always sucks. It's, like, from seven... I, I used to be able to name all of them, but it's from seven all the way to ten. All have one horseshit twist. And then they, like, bring that back in 15. There's one in there that makes no sense at all. And, like, there's no lead-up to it. It's, like, the worst Tyler, Tyler Durden shoe drop, <laughs> except with no lead-up. And... Twelve was the one that was like just about internal politics and like the the sort of nation building. It's because of who made it, but like, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. I, I I think also getting back to Fallout a little bit, the we should also distinguish like Bethesda games. True. Yeah. Because because Skyrim is such a the Elder Scrolls games and Skyrim specifically, um, or even the one that came before. Uh, all of the, all of those games. Have this beige pastiche to them, and it's it it it's the reason. Like I'm never, I didn't like Fallout Three, I didn't like Fallout Four, but I love New Vegas because friggin' um, Obsidian made (laughs) made New Obsidian Obsidian put out the the best, albeit broken at the time, Fallout game
0: um, aside from two. Yeah, I mean everyone wants. I that's like that's like the the banging on the drum, right? They want Obsidian to do some more DLC for for Fallout Four. Um, Which probably won't happen. (laughs) Nobody wants to work with them, I guess. I don't know. I hear
1: it's just, it's like a nightmare. Like the whole stick of truth um, South Uh, Park thing was a QA nightmare. Oh, no. Or this is basically just what I read on the internet. um, What I read on Kotaku. Well, um, Kotaku.com. But um, no, but they were really good at making a narrative. Actually, I think that, I really, really think that Bethesda, at least someone at Bethesda, clearly wants to make call a Cthulhu game and I don't mean like the one they already made Mm. because I really like Dark Corners of the Earth and that wasn't really made by them I think if I remember correctly it was made by a different company but like they keep putting fucking Lovecraft sub sub quests in their (laughs) games and I just want them to be like just just make a
0: Lovecraft game
1: it would make the game you want just make the game (laughs) you want because it will be way more interesting than the game that you think other people want
0: yeah you know yeah it's you know one of the things that we keep getting back to and I I think it's interesting the way you define you defend uh uh 12 and actually there's like there's some ways in which i should probably be nicer to 12 i played a lot of it oh it's so. for the record very
1: long game i would never play it yeah. again it's very fucking long and i'm very bloated and mm-hmm. is probably some of the worst excesses of the things we're talking about but at least it had a, a world it view. Tries. yeah
0: yeah and the worldview and the narrative seem like the things we keep coming back to because i you know when you mentioned the the bullshit twists i'm thinking of like it always even at the time and I remember trying to to sell it to myself when I was like thirteen or fourteen when I was playing it, but even at the time, the the Cloud Zack twist yeah. in, um, in in Seven just like it, it felt it felt arbitrary, yeah. and I think like there was such a critical reaction to Seven that it became like the thing everyone tried to imitate, and so those twists and Xenogears. Just kind of, like, there was also Zenogears too, <laughs> which made yeah it Zenoge- even worse. I liked the twist a little more in Xenogears. I like the Faye id twist, but yeah, yeah. I like Xenogears more anyway. So that was sort of like I think that game. it's kind of nah.
1: Anyway, mm-hmm. I, I like it, but I have yeah. I
0: have like I, it's just the most
1: emblematic of the, of that style of telling a story that doesn't really work. It
0: truly is. Yeah, it starts with a fire. Yeah. There's dark secrets, and then they run like, out of
1: an animation budget like five minutes into the because bo- there's like yeah, three cutscenes yeah. in the beginning, and then like nothing for until the end of the game.
0: Yeah, and then one at the very end of the game. And then they, they had like, to, like, oh, clearly... Oh, I going to be a lot of anime.
1: And they clearly <laughs> condensed... Saw the last episode of Neon Genesis and condensed it down um, at the beginning <laughs> of the second disc. But no, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, um, you're right. I guess keep going, sorry. Um, no, no, please. Um, but no, yeah, worldview matters. Uh, worldview matters. Because I, at the end of the day, I want a reason to play video games. I know this is, like... Mm. Maybe this is a career exhaustion. Maybe it's just playing things, but it's also, like... I think when you balance yourself out with other media, and I think the, the the creation of a holistic person is vitally important to being able to critique video games. Yeah, and I think this is this was some of the sort of discomfort around the the pretension uh, that like sparked gamer, and, you know, just all the whole like back and forth. You have like you know you guys aren't real gamers versus like you know you are you know all all this stuff. Like a lot of the cultural wars, I think boil down to like we want a person who's really well-read in gaming, but also somebody who has exposure to other art so that they don't oversell what a thing is mm-hmm. without uh, without the cultural context to know that, like, several things happened before that. Like, yeah, you know, you and, and you should also, like, learn those lessons in brevity from those pieces of art and figure out, like, okay, how can I, what can I learn from those pieces of art? What can I, like, do to condense them? Because otherwise, like... If I'm playing a game and it's telling me nothing spiritually, I mean, aside from, like, a multiplayer game, which is fun, or, like, just a fun fighting game, which can be fun, but if I'm pl- t- playing a narrative game and I'm getting nothing out of it emotionally and it's fun technically, then I don't know why I played it.
0: Right, yeah. No, I agree. And, like, there's... It's hard. Like, there's a... I agree with you in terms of the... Um, the the difficulty of... um the difficulty of, of finding, like, a perfect game's critic in that way. Yeah. Like, there's... I, I, I got... Uh, not, even, not even, by the I, way, for the record, not even critic, but a, a, a game's
1: consumer. Yeah. Like, okay, I, don't, yeah, I don't even, even mean that. this, because cr- critics are shit, you know, like, or at least in yeah. my opinion, you know, like, anybody can be a critic, <laughs> but, like, a, 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 a balanced game uh, uh, critique or, you know, be that a yeah. human being, you know, should have, you know, every person should be a holistic person, you know, read that reads books right. and watch movies and has, you know, points of reference.
0: Yeah, and I yeah so like uh, after uh, Matt Christmas was on my show uh, when he when he tweeted that out, um, some of the I, I think some dude some editor from the Daily Stormer um, got a hold of it and made fun of me and we went back and forth a little bit sure. until I got tired of it, um, fighting online. But with his, strangers, yeah yeah right I, I was just like this is this is just not worth my time, um, but like one of the things that he was convinced of um, was that like what my podcast was would be like. Me mentioning something about Wario and then uh, tying it in with Lacan or something like that, which would be cool. And just like, it, <laughs> on one hand, it wouldn't be bad. Nah, like, there's no. a way to do that pretty well. Yeah, no, no, don't uh, be a dick about it. You know. <laughs> like, yeah, right. And the the other thing is like the the imaginary he has of that is that like what I've heard about video games is a Tumblr meme. Yeah, what I've heard yeah. about video games is like you know one Nintendo game that I played when I was 17 or something like that. Like there's there's this conception that there's either there there are two classes of people there are the people who read books and watch movies and they've played almost nothing that that serious gamers have played and then there are serious gamers who never read books who never watch movies who are just committed to that particular art form and it's just it it has to fall in between or else like yeah. everyone's
1: wasting their time. And you, you, you need to do both if you want to be an yeah. informed critic. Um, actually, Austin Walker, I think, is a fantastic example of mm-hmm. being both informed but also playing a shitload of games, man. I don't know how he does it. And yeah. yeah, no, it's it's the thing where it's like, OK, I have time to read a book. I have time to play a video game. And it becomes this moral choice of trying to balance out your emotional health and your existential. Health. But yeah, you can also here's the thing. I, I started off, I guess, online talking about games on the OneUp.com boards. Yeah. And we had a podcast back then called The Squadron of Shame, which was basically <laughs> just the, it, it was born out of the 1up.com podcast, and it, it was the idea that there would be a pile of shame uh, game, and we would play it as a group together, you know, like, okay, we got to play Psychonauts, okay, we got to play, um, you know, all the games that people say are good, but then mm-hmm. never get a full emotional, like, conclusion, or, you know, people don't, you know, they're like, oh, I'll play that eventually, like Neo, for example, right now.
0: Okay. Yeah. Everyone, right.
1: goddamn, playing Neo because that game rules. It's the best game Ninja got. The the Team Ninja has done in ages. Um, yeah, I really, I really want to. I don't have a PS Four right now, but once I do, Neo's oh, on like the it's, top of my list. It's the combat's better than Dark Souls. It's. Ooh, they're the only people who can do that. Anyway. You heard it here first. No, uh, Heather actually said that. I think. Or. I've, yeah. Actually, you
0: didn't hear it here first. People are obsessed with. But yeah, Heather said it first. So you heard it here um, second. But
1: the idea that like, you know, I started in the, let's just call it like. Early twenties, pretentious. You know, I just found out about philosophy, kind of shit. Era mm-hmm. of gaming, sure. and it was like it's deeply embarrassing in retrospect. Like parts of that are deeply embarrassing. But I feel like you have to go through the sort of earnest crit era of game criticism before you can step back and be like, "Wow, I need to chill the fuck out a little bit." And, yeah, exactly. You know, and take myself a little less seriously because, you know, I got. I remember doing like threads about sort of like. Shadow of the Colossus, as it relates to Kierkegaard's teleological suspension of the ethical mm-hmm. and shit like that. That was the one I went back to a lot, and that's some extremely pretentious bullshit that
0: I am, I think, is really, really funny now. And if you can't find it funny, yeah. you're. Then what are you doing? What are you, what, are you, what are you doing online, man? You know, you yeah, gotta, you gotta find your old stuff funny. I would. I I got started. I mean, everyone has these great origin stories. I got started on an anime chat room. Sick. Where like, yeah, no, my, Mine is embarrassing. Um yeah my my character like even then I, I couldn't even pick like a, a cool person to to role play as I was just uh Krillin from from Dragon Ball Z everyone everyone uh, tolerated me but i mean you know y- you have to laugh at that stuff and i think that's like that self seriousness is, is something that's kind of a problem in like i guess like quote unquote like Gamergate or whatever they'd want to be called at this point um but then again like it you're right like there's something I find like a lot of uh and this is sort of like an academic aside like when i started doing games criticism as part of my dissertation i found that like a lot of the stuff that was out there didn't really care to actually read the video game as like a narrative or as a as a piece in and of itself it was a lot of talking about like what it meant to the consumer or what it meant to ludology or what it meant to this or that or the other thing yeah very Um, very insular academic crap Mm-hmm. yeah and and so my my version of it was like i was like well you know i'm just actually going to do an aesthetic critique like i do of novels which is like i read the novel i see what it's about sure. i do a reading of it um and it worked really well and i had a bunch of people read it and they, they seemed to like it and ultimately it just ended up being like yeah here's what um I, the the chapter had gone home and talos principle in it and i said like okay so like here's what gone home tries to do it it does this thing uh correct it's sort of like Produces a narrative. It's really interesting, but ultimately, it's sort of like kind of just a feel good narrative. Mm-hmm. But what's really interesting about the house is that you can throw everything around at the yeah. end, like, and so it's both you know games criti- games criticism. It pays attention to the mechanics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I'm not uh you know I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm sure there are a ton of problems with it, but I think like that approach of and you're you're sort of describing it too, which is why I mention it. Of like actually paying some mind to what makes a video game a video game outside of well, it's long. It makes me, you know, it, you know, it makes me sort of like impressed with the illusions it does, and I can like tie it back to philosophy. Like, is it fun? Is does it have sort of a point of view? Is it interesting? Yeah, all that stuff has to matter.
1: Yeah, it it, it should matter. You should be so. It's and again, it's a hard hard line to walk. It's like I want to engage this text critically, and I want to do it like fairly, and I want to give it the 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 do that a work of art would be done but at the same time you can be you can take the piss out of academia all the time like people do it some of the best critics do sort of like poke poke fun at themselves you know for, for getting a, you know a little self serious and try to prevent <laughs> try, you know try to make it readable to normal people because otherwise you're just a pretentious dick you know what I mean yeah it's important yeah, have you to. have to be readable and you you know you should be funny at least in my opinion a little bit. It's not necessary. Yeah, not. It, it, it helps, but like, yeah, that—that's have
0: a little bit of a sense of
1: humor. But it, but it, you know, and you should also be critiquing, like, why. Just getting back a little bit to the point, because I think we strayed a, a bit. little bit. Yeah, but that whatever. whatever happens, right, it doesn't so matter. Yeah, but fine. like, you know, those, you know, ha- trying to be that that ideal person who is like both balanced in terms of you know what you're you're how you're informed. But also isn't so serious that they're going to just write a thesis on like, <laughs> you know, just angles as it relates to uh, near. Actually, I would read that, but you yeah. know, <laughs>
0: but like, but you'd read it, not everyone. Yeah, not everyone would read it. Would read yeah, it.
1: Right. And if you do write it, then do it in a way that people like. That's funny. And, yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, don't be a dick about it. And yeah. It's 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 important for critiquing this, and um, and I think it matters with like the bloat because if we don't have informed people people keep accepting this kind of valueless bloat that exists in, in bigger RPGs but if you yeah, it, if you get too critical oh, if you get too critical you you're n- nobody reads you
0: yeah and i mean the i was thinking about it when we were when we were saying about like the the sort of distinction between um, being too esoteric um, and then actually like taking it seriously and thinking about your audience like, there is a way that... I mean, there's there's two things going on with these longer games. The one is the the super um, bare-bones, like, you know, crass capitalism, is it worth my money thing that goes on on mm-hmm. Steam where it's yeah. like, it was 50 hours long, that's a $20 game to me. Or, like, I paid $20 and it was only seven hours long, I, you know, I want my money back. Yeah. That kind of thing happens all the time, and I think, like, is a, is a clear pressure point. But the other... I mean, the other thing is that, like, there is a sort of buy-in, not in the same way as, say... Um, not in the exact same way to say like oh I, you know i spent a year reading uh finnegan's wake um but not so much different to say like yeah i, I 100%ed witcher 3 there's a kind of prestige there that like is because you did it you were there you actually did a hard thing right. it's like a, a daunting task and i feel like and i'm kind of reading it into what you're saying too but there's a risk in gaming that like. That's all it becomes. It just becomes like, oh, I did the hard task. I achieved the thing that was impossible. As opposed to thinking about it as like, okay, it doesn't really matter if this is long or short. It just matters that it's a new approach. Well, Breath of the Wild is
1: really goddamn long. And Witcher is Mm -hmm. really goddamn long. And Persona is really goddamn long. But not every game can be those things. And even those games have... I actually haven't played enough Zelda, but like Witcher 3 and Persona have big parts that, you know, I... I could go do without you know or like more more persona than anything it's just like you can tell stories faster and still have this sense of accomplishment like I beat near and I felt the most amount of accomplishment this entire time like I felt like I'd gone through a spiritual journey because near the end I didn't hate myself right like if, if you're you know if you're like really really struggling to finish a thing and you get that sort of 80-hour JRPG uh, malaise than than the emotional impact that it's trying to tell you, even if it's, like, a really nice journey and and all that. And I know games are hard to make and people cut back things and then get more ambitious and it's a a collaborative effort, but, like, if you just keep shoving crap in there, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not going to be overjoyed. It's like the reason I haven't touched Mass Effect Andromeda is because it looks like it's just all bloat. And that's what I right. get from a lot of people who played it. They're like, I guess this is fun. And that, that sensation of like, <laughs> I guess I'm having fun. Yeah. I technically should be having fun. And I, there are things I enjoy about this, but I will immediately excise this from my, my very uh, limited memory. Ultimately, humans have, can only remember so much crap, but like I'll, I'll, I'll excise big parts of this because i don't need to know this stuff whereas like yeah i can rattle off like a million things about near that were great
0: yeah that's a that's a really good point and i think like on some level um on some level it's and we can we can sort of uh wrap towards sure, the next. Sure, i know sure. you you got a lot going on at e3 um read uh chris's e3 coverage uh kataku it's mainly going to be um, video coverage
1: I, I edit videos
0: watch watch chris's <laughs> this is this is like this is me it. getting lost in the uh in the uh in the technical world, I always, I, I'm always about one technology behind, which is embarrassing because I'm only, you know, 32. But um, eh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's an argument to be made that there's like, we should have a return to, I don't know, intentionality or, or, or um, a kind of a more singular focus or a singular plan. Like, you know, you can argue that it, it's a, it's a sort of like Kojima fetishization that would make me say that. And on some level it is. But also, I mean, you think about something like Undertale, Undertale is the work of like one person's, you know, dramatic vision. And of course it's a team, but the vision is sort of like singular, right? Right. And, you know,
1: if that feeds into auteur theory or not is, and if if that's healthy, you know, is another question, but yeah.
0: And of course, collaboration could exist in that and all, but I think like there's an argument to be made that, you know, you want an author, not a, you want a, you want a human author, not a corporate author, I guess is that, that's what, that's how I'd frame it. Um, You don't want Bethesda or or Square deciding, like, here's the next game that people need to see. I'd rather have a deeply flawed game that was, you know, decided by one particular person. That's always just way better, way more interesting. Even if it's not, like, perfect or an ideal AAA title, it's always going to do better. It's always going to be more interesting. I I don't necessarily agree
1: that, Mm -hmm. like, um, just because I think that, um, I think a lot about sort of, you know, cooperative structures, in terms of like mm-hmm. you know how could uh, uh you know how could a game that's not that's that's developed by a a sort of a co- let's say like video games become cooperative and you have co op game companies and you have a, a more not necessarily flat structure but one which has no has less crushing um, demands from a corporate structure what would that would that narrative be better or worse than one in which it's you know a very saleable a tour who you know has a vision, and you know it's it's flawed or good or bad, or you know maybe that person's just a writer who is is you know built as equal part of the team, you know things like that. But I, I I think in both cases the 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 capitalist demands of those things, you know, like we have this has to ship now, this mm-hmm. has to be x number of things. We need to do these things. Interesting are to me more um semi-toxic i guess because they can do good things as well than just is this one person's vision
0: or is it spread out amongst many people but that's a smart point i think like but i also am guessing you know hmm? you're just guessing yeah i don't know oh i mean it's, it's not a bad guess though because i think like you know my risk there and saying like oh yeah like we need an author i mean i'm coming from novels novels generally have one author um and and it, it is sort of like it feeds right into that capitalistic demand to say like okay like we have a mandate from the top here's what it is make the game around it and and just go for it whereas like i mean my other sort of like favorite game of the moment um and not just because like I've, I've had the uh the the one of the developers on the podcast uh, is Night in the Woods, mm-hmm. and great game. Night in the Woods was yeah, yeah, fantastic game. Uh, and and Night in the Woods was a purely collaborative effort. Like you talk to them about what who did what, and it's all just kind like, like a mismatch Like, well, I, I guess some of us wrote the story. Like, you know, such and such did this. So there was some coding there. Like the art here. Music here, And it's like everyone kind of did something and it produced a, a wonderful whole. And Scott's kind of um, a lefty, you know, I thought we follow is, each other yeah.
1: on Twitter. He's, he's very much a, a, a collaborative oh, yeah, he's a, like DSA kind mm-hmm. of guy. And so that would yep. make sense.
0: Yeah. And it's a way that like, it's a way that sort of collaboration, I guess that's the, I guess that's where I'd land on it. Collaboration inside the market generally tends to be rushed or um, uh, it, it tends to get to market before, it can congeal, mm-hmm. right? Like, cause the congealing process doesn't seem efficient. Yeah. It doesn't seem like part of the actual pr- like process that needs to happen. You know, if you, if you throw it up to a, um, like a board and say like, yeah, we need, you know, seven more months to, to revise this. they are gonna be like, no, it's done. Yeah. Um, the mass
1: effect being most of mass effect Andromeda being developed yeah. in 18 months. You know what I mean? At the last, exactly.
0: Minute,
1: yeah. Yep. The bulk and
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. And like the, the, you know, night in the woods was not part of that and so like they could sit down with each other and say like okay we need more time to revise this or i'd like to revisit this or that or the other thing and so i guess like you know within the marketplace such as it is single authors sometimes work better because like they play into the the market's problems a little more which isn't to say like which is of course like a very um, damning with faint praise kind of thing uh still um both could produce this bloat and i think like ultimately from what you've been saying the bloat is our uh our sort of like central concern
1: yeah just don't make me do things i don't want to do yeah especially if i want to do big parts of your game
0: well there you go that's that's about as good a moral as i could hope for um that was really interesting we went in a lot of directions i wasn't expecting that's been happening a lot recently yeah um so uh uh chris thanks so much for being on do you have any uh final words um Make, like, 25-hour RPGs. They're really fun when you can. Yeah, they're so They're really good. good. You know, don't be afraid. Just all the, all the developers listening to uh, I'm sure it's this not, podcast.
1: I'm sure it's not economically <laughs> viable at all, but, like, you know, make, make,
0: I don't know, Undertale worked. Undertale did work. Um, Near worked. So it just, yeah, Near, Near is, the, Near is the, the sort of salient example. Near worked, so. Just you know, do that.
1: Afraid. And, and just, go.
0: <laughs> just, make, just make a perfect just game. Just make a perfect
1: game. Yeah, how hard could it be? It's not that, guys. it's a turnip truck. It's easy. <laughs> uh, anything you want to plug? Um, no, my show, Highlight Reel, is on Kotaku's YouTube. Uh, if yeah. you like watching people fall down in glitches, um, issue on tr- Twitter, although, you know, chances are you probably follow me if you're
0: listening to this, but who knows? Um, and, yeah. I like watching your videos when they come up on Twitter. I should, I should actually go to your YouTube channel more. Um, yeah, do it. It's fun. I, I do like your videos. They're really good. Cool. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone. Uh, follow Chris, uh, go watch his videos and, uh, yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. No problem, dude.